Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. This week's reviewer of the week is Cassie Fitness, and she says, love the podcast. I found this podcast when I was on my second trimester, and it was the best. I learned so much about pregnancy and birth. When the big day came, I felt super confident about everything. I recommend this podcast 100% to Red Hearts. Thank you, girls. Thank you so much for that podcast review. You guys, it's so fun to hear you learning and loving and enjoying it as you go. It's so good. So please, if you haven't left a review, leave one today. I love reading them. Uh, And I hope I can read it on the podcast for you. That's awesome. So this week's episode is all about starting labor naturally. I am going to dive deep. I want to tell you all the things. No. I don't want to tell you all the things, but I want to tell you a lot of the things that are going to help you go into labor like yesterday, like right now. So this is kind of, I want you, if you are not 36 weeks plus, to come back to this episode when you are. But I also want you to kind of log away this information, maybe grab some of the things that you're going to need in advance. And I'll put links to a lot of this stuff in the show notes as well. That way, when it's go time, you can get prepped, you can get ready. You don't have to worry about induction because your body's already getting things moving. This is the episode for you. So I get a lot of questions that ask, especially as moms get closer to their due date, closer to their guest date. It's about how to move things along. And oftentimes it's because they are coming to me and they're like, well, my provider says we might have to induce if whatever, fill in the blank. But sometimes it's like, I'm tired of being pregnant or I'm just so anxious and I wanna make sure that this birth goes well, what can I do to be prepped and ready and encourage things to get moving on their own? So this is gonna be kind of like a short and sweet episode about what you can do exactly right now to encourage your body to get moving with, well, without the help of creating, I was gonna say (laughs) with the help of some things, but really what I want to do is talk to you about how to do it without the help of a care provider. Now, some of these things you'll have to run by your care provider, but you don't have to go to a hospital to do any of it. Uh, You may need your care provider for some, but otherwise these are things that you can do at home that are totally natural, totally fine to be doing at home. And I'm even gonna give you a recipe with some herbs and oils that can help you get things moving along with a circuit that you can do to help things move along. So, and especially when you use those two together, it can be really effective, but even one or the other can absolutely get things going. So here's one that I don't know that I've talked about, or if I have, I really haven't gone into depth about it 
on the episodes yet. And that is evening primrose oil or EPO. So this is one that I've started getting more questions about and I thought would be really useful for you guys to get information in the podcast about. Um, Evening primrose oil is an, an herb and it's definitely on the more natural side of things. It's a plant, an herb, um, and it comes in capsules. So it's where the way that you use it is oil-based capsule. So <laughs> capsule around oil. Am I making sense? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Um, so it's a capsule and it's got liquid inside. The liquid inside is the evening primrose oil. So it can be used. It can be taken vaginally or and or it can also be taken orally. So the administration of both is probably one of the more common practices. Otherwise, I'd say it's generally, it's like vaginally or vaginally and orally that we see. And that dose can be anywhere between 500 to 2000 milligrams. Now for this particular one, you'd have to be 38 weeks to begin to get started on this. This is a little more of an aggressive thing. It does and can get things moving. So um, I think they like to start at 38 weeks plus your provider, whether that's midwife or a a provider that you have for the hospital. Either way, you want to be about 38 weeks. So remember that when we do anything, it should always be done with the knowledge of your care provider. So while some uh, midwives, for example, use this regularly, Um, Somebody like an OB might maybe not even know what it is or advise against it or um, they'll also know like your specific situation and if getting things moving in this way is is the best idea or if you're going to have any contraindications with it. So with that in mind, make sure that you are using something that is good quality. So I'll put a link to a couple that I like uh, and below these show notes, I think you can grab all of them on Amazon. If your midwife has one that she uses or your provider has one that they use that they prefer, then absolutely feel free to do that. Um, but it, it can be kind of a controversial thing. Maybe that's why I haven't talked about it so much, but evening primrose oil is one of those kind of controversial back and forth things. And I think because there's not a lot of studies on it or the studies that have been done are rather small, some show positive, some show nothing at all, or maybe even some negative things. And so without getting into all of that, um, the idea behind evening primrose oil is that it softens the cervix. That's the goal of what it does. So when you insert vaginally, and that's where the studies were like, the oral one really didn't show anything. The vaginal one did show that there was a lot of softening of the cervix. Uh, Most of them had softer cervix. Um, but when used together, it showed that it was pretty good too. And I think, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how deep to go into that, but basically, um, as long as you're using it vaginally, I think that's probably going to be your best bet as far as softening the cervix. And it's not just softening the cervix. It can also induce labor. And so that's why they want you starting at like 38 weeks plus. Um, but remember anytime we're talking about things getting a little closer, if you're trying to induce labor, you want to know your Bishop score, which has to do with how soft your cervix is, how many centimeters dilated you are, how, what the percentage of effacement is, how effaced your um, cervix is, and then the position of your cervix and the station of your baby, meaning how high or low in the pelvis that your baby is. Uh, And that's just information to know. But, but remember that softening a cervix in my personal opinion, I think holds higher than some of these other things that they put on the Bishop score. Uh, And we've talked about this too before. If you are trying to induce and you're only thinking of doing something like breaking the bag of waters and or Pitocin, but your cervix isn't soft and ripe and ready to be open, it is like banging on a closed door. And that means you're going to have really strong 
really intense contractions that are not dilating your cervix and helping that area to open, uh, which matters when you need a baby coming out of there. So uh, this is something that is definitely the prep work for that. So like on the natural side of things, right, we talked about or we've talked about previously, like having six dates a day for the last four to six weeks of pregnancy. You can absolutely start that. This can be done in conjunction with it. There's nothing wrong with that. Dates are just something that you eat. Don't insert your dates vaginally. That would be awkward uh, and not good for you. But this is something that you can do that with. Now, alongside using evening primrose oil is red raspberry leaf tea. So red raspberry leaf tea is, uh, it's another plant, an herb. In this case, it's turned into a tea. Oftentimes you can just buy the tea bags. I know I get them from my local grocery store. I'll put a link to them though, because you can also grab them on Amazon and sometimes they're even cheaper on there. Uh, but it is used to tighten and tone the uterus. And so in conjunction with something like evening primrose oil, it can kind of get that uterus active and moving and going. Uh, it's used in higher doses when we're talking about helping to induce or augment labor. So for example, when I had my baby at home and my I had prodromal labor for over a week, and my midwife came and things, they were still, if you were, my birth story is so weird though, right? Because they, my contractions were like six, seven minutes apart. They really never got much closer than that, um, even up to pushing time. So they were a little bit farther apart and she's, you know, we were like, well, let's make sure we keep things moving because I had had all this prodromal labor. So one of the things that she did was she brought a tincture that was used to help apparently like kick things in, move things along, help ease my body into labor. And then she also had me do a really high concentrated amount of red raspberry leaf tea and drink it. So I did like, I don't know, like an entire box of the, the leaves and like not that much water and we steeped it and I drank that you know fairly quickly over a period of like maybe 20 to 30 minutes and the idea was that it would help kick things in so I <laughs> I don't know I kind of laugh at this stuff because my body didn't want to do that it decided it was just going to go on its own time and that was fine too but I have seen it used in and for some moms it just really does like it, it gets that uterus going it kicks things in um, I didn't use the evening primrose I just used the red raspberry leaf when I was in labor but I do think the combination of those two which are commonly prescribed if that's the right word together um, recommended to use together that combination can be really good uh, red raspberry leaf tea is it, it kind of tastes like a mild black tea but it's herbal so it's not caffeinated and I actually really like the flavor of it. Um, I don't drink caffeinated teas and I do miss black tea. So I love the flavor of it. But I know some women are like, that is disgusting. <laughs> but you can add things like honey and whatever. It doesn't like kill its effectiveness or anything like that. Um, but you can literally drink it your whole pregnancy should you choose. However, some women are going to have those effects that aren't so great for them. So what you're looking for is an irritation of the uterus or in other words, contractions. And you definitely don't want to be doing anything that's going to cause contractions before you are full term or um, you can't see my air quotes maybe if you're on the podcast, but quote unquote full term or about 36 weeks plus. So if, because it's a uterine stimulant, um, if you start experiencing things like contractions, you need to slow down or stop. So if you're having a cup, then try a half cup. It's not something that you need to be taking, um, but it can be helpful and effective. And I know some women like the flavor, like I was saying. So as you're um, progressing and you get closer to that third trimester or whatever, if you're still noting that, noticing that irritation, 
take note of it. That might be really useful for you when it is time to get things moving and then you can start it again at 36 weeks. So keep in mind, that's just information for you. Um, I know that some women do get like pain or upset stomach from it. I think too, that's the same for, um, so evening primrose oil, let me go back because it can cause, and I feel like this is fair to let you know, right? It can cause things like nausea and diarrhea and headaches and upset stomach. So there are some side effects that you do need to be aware of. Uh, but I think most women that use it are, they're happy with the side effect because it also helps things get going. Um, and I said most, I'm sure there are some women that are like, I would not do that again. So I, anyways, okay. Sensitivities vary is my point. And so just be aware of that when you're using any of these. Here's, you want to talk about controversial, and I definitely have not talked about this on the podcast, but black cohosh, cohosh, I can never say it right. It's cohosh or cohosh, one of them. Uh, This is one of those that there's definitely not enough studies on. It's a uterine tonic. So it's also used for like hormones, women going through menopause and such. Uh, so we know it messes with hormones and things, but it's a, it's a much stronger herb than these other ones. It wouldn't be used in conjunction with, and it's similar to what you want red raspberry leaf tea to do, but the effects seem a lot stronger and the side effects seem a little more on like the negative and stronger to the negative side effects side. So, um, it's typically used by midwives. This isn't something that you're going to see your OB recommending that you use. Uh, and it's definitely used under the care of a provider. It does work. So that's where like people using it, like they do have it work. And that's why midwives continue to use it. I'm not saying yay or nay. I would say trust your provider and work with your provider, obviously. Um, but it can cause really strong contractions. Um, I know some of the problems are like nausea, vomiting, a faster, like really precipitous labor. So those are some things to be aware of with black co-hosh. I'm pretty sure it's co-hosh. I, if I'm saying it wrong, I am so sorry. Um, and then I want you to think too about position. Okay. So I'm not going to say anything more about like the herbal, those two things right now, those three things. But I want you to think about position. So even if you are not trying to get things moving in this moment, the position of your baby matters for how comfortable you're going to be and how easily you might move into your labor. So if you are trying to avoid things like a lot of prodromal labor, then you want your baby to be a good, in a good position. Same with you're trying to avoid things like pain and a longer labor, back labor, things like that. Uh, the mile circuit, this is one when I either have women who are, um, coming up to their due date, they're looking to do some of these, like the circuit that I'll tell you, well, this one's a circuit as well, but kind of, I'll, I'll get into that in a moment, but, um, we want to know what the position of the baby is because then we know how much work we've got to do. If we have a mom that's, that's got prodromal labor, a lot of the times what we're seeing is it has to do with baby's position. They're in a funky, weird position. They're hitting on things where they maybe shouldn't just quite yet because they're not really ready to send that signal and say it's labor time. Uh, but there's some things that we can do to help them kind of lock into a better place. And so, of course, there's, you know, chiropractor and acupressure and acupuncture and that kind of thing. But here's what you can do at home. 
So the mile circuit is number one. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes as well. There's, um, this is not my, my circuit. She's a doula. Her last name is Miles. And this is her circuit. And it's very effective. I've used it as a doula myself, uh, particularly when we're trying to augment labor. So after I'm already with a couple who their labor is progressing, and for one reason or another, we need it to keep progressing, um, generally a positional thing or, or whatever. But this really works. So... The first thing that you do is you do like an open, you open your knees, you kind of start in a cat to cow, open your knees wide, and then you drop your chest to the floor. Uh, You kind of bum in the air and you hold that for 30 minutes. So it can be a little daunting. And after this, I'm going to tell you how to make it a little less daunting. But uh, another option, if that is, you know, too daunting or you're having issues with reflex or, or, or reflex or whatever then you can use the forward leaning inversion. That is a good substitute for this. And you know that that's in the three free exercise. I'll put that download in the show notes as well. But the next thing that you do after you've held that for 30 minutes is something called the exaggerating side lying position. So you're just like it sounds, you're laying on your side, your bottom leg is straight, your top leg is um, as high as you can get it and you have a ton of pillows underneath that leg. That way you're keeping your hips square. So when you lay comfortably, again, that's another 30 minutes. Just relax, breathe, focus on your baby, think happy thoughts, motivational things. And then the next 30 minutes, you're going to get up and move. You start lunging, curb walking, use stairs, listen to your body. Um, But you want to be up and you want to be moving, moving your hips, moving your legs. So definitely something to practice and know about before you go into labor. And so my recommendation is that you start doing this circuit starting with five to 10 minutes for each position and slowly incrementally moving up. You don't need to be doing it the 90 minutes at a time before you get into labor, but you should have at least like 10 to 15 minutes that you can comfortably hold in each position uh, before you hit that. So I absolutely recommend that you guys do that. And then along with that is the sifting or rebozo work. And maybe you've heard me talk about that on here before, but basically if you don't have a rebozo, which is just, it's just the way that it's woven and um, what it's used for that makes it so special. But if you don't have a rebozo, you can just use a sheet and you use that from the very top of your belly all the way down to the bottom, um, kind of hanging over in a hands and knees position. And someone would have to be above you holding on to either side of the sheet and sifting it kind of like we call it sifting apples, right? So with enough pressure and force that you're It's not sliding on mom's belly, but it's got a grip on her belly and is tugging and help kind of jiggle that belly and jiggle that baby. And the idea is that the baby can kind of like get out of a stuck position where they might be and get into a good position, um, kind of like pulled out of where they shouldn't be and and allowed into where they, they should be. And that can help a lot with if you're having prodromal labor or if you're having back labor, that helps, helps baby move into a better position. Okay, along with that is curb walking. So that's part of kind of part of the mile circuit, but something that you can start doing at 36 weeks. It's going to help baby wiggle and get through. The pelvis is this, you know, just bony, hard, kind of weird keyhole that babies have to fit into and it isn't always super easy for them so we like to help and that's one way that you can help is that curb walking and I think too like that unbalanced unbalanced sifting of the pelvis helps baby work their way through those tight spaces so just be thinking of that as you're kind of 
curb walking, you have one, like your left foot on the curb, right foot in the gutter, and you just go left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. And then you turn around and then your right foot's on the curb and your left foot's on the gutter and you just keep going back and forth like that. So it's just gonna give your baby that little bit of tilt that they need. And then obviously we've got the three exercises. So like I said, it's um, I'll have it in the show notes to download or you can head to myessentialbirth.com. Uh, it's on that front page. You just put in your, your name and email and it's a free download. But that's the prep work to getting into all of these positions and for when it's time to use these things. But it includes the forward leaning inversion, pelvic tilts, which you use all the way until you have your baby, all of these exercises you do. But I've even used that really successfully with rebozo sifting during labor to help turn a baby um, and really get things moving for mom more than once. It's They're just really, really good for you. And then squats. Squats are excellent. They're so good because chances are you're going to be squatting, particularly when it comes to pushing time. And you want those muscles to be strong, but also um, stretchy and your perineum to be stretched so you have less chance of tearing all of that's going to be really good for you. Um, and it also shortens the birth canal. This is why our bodies naturally move into this position when it's push time. A mom left alone, she's not going to lay on her back necessarily, unless she's maybe tired and it's a really comfortable position, right? What she ends up doing during birth is leaning forward over something, squatted down, hands and knees. But squatting is really common and one of the things that it does is it shortens that birth canal so you squat and it makes this much space that they have to get through you know say that it's four inches it squats it down to to two inches or whatever what what have you i think it shortens the birth canal by like 40 percent. so it'd be a little more than that but but basically it's like an excellent excellent thing that you should be doing every day so that you're comfortable when it's go time nipple stimulation is another one um and it so think of like after you have your baby and you're breastfeeding, so they're stimulating your nipples, which is telling what your body does when that happens is it creates oxytocin. It also creates some other things that help, you know, create breast milk and all this stuff, but they call it the love hormone. That same hormone is what causes contractions. So if you're doing that prior to having a baby breastfeed and you can do twisting or pulling, think of how baby nurses Think of how toddler nurses really, um, but all that twisting and pulling is going to stimulate that oxytocin and it'll stimulate contractions. Um, you can use a breast pump. The hospital breast pumps are actually really, really great for this. But even if you have just a breast pump at home, you can absolutely use that. Um, and then intercourse. So, and I'll, don't worry, I'm going to get to the part where I tell you like which order to do these in and how much time to spend doing each one. Um, but intercourse is something that absolutely can help get things going. So first of all, we're moving around. And um, secondly, semen is a prostaglandin. So it's really important that dad finishes and it's really important that mom finishes. Dad needs to finish because we need the prostaglandin, which is something that helps soften the cervix. Mom needs to finish because it'll help her have contractions. So those two things together can help get a body moving into labor. If you have a broken bag of waters, you do not do that thing. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, castor oil is another one though. And I promise I'm about to get into a recipe and then I'm going to get into exactly what you need to do. It's so good. So castor oil is something that you can take topically. So you can like rub it on your belly um, as well as orally. So it's really effective and it's not like this, I don't know, like jokey wives tale thing, although midwives, right? That's kind of funny, but it, it like it works. So here's a midwife. This is like the midwives brew. Um, so here's how, because 
the thing about castor oil from what I understand is it's super gross. So every mom who has to take it is like, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever had. And it just is what it is. So this is the midwife's brew that everyone talks about. And you're going to take 10 ounces of apricot juice. Apricot? Apricot. 10 ounces of apricot juice. 8 ounces pure lemon verbena tea. 2 tablespoons of castor oil. And 2 tablespoons almond butter. Basically, it tastes gross. So just be aware of that. And then the other side of castor oil. So it absolutely does help a mom go into labor. And it can also cause stomach pain and diarrhea and contractions that end up going away and don't cause labor. Or it can help a mom go into labor. And it can have actually all of that and help you go into labor. So it's a little mix of everything. Definitely something that you want to do under the care of your midwife or provider. Let them know what you're doing, that you're trying it, what to look for, all that stuff. Um, and then along with that is clary sage. So clary sage is an essential oil. We like to use it on acupressure point spleen six. And I will have to put a link or an image or something so that you guys know what I'm talking about. If you're in the birth course and, you know, it's in the, the videos and in the workbook, but otherwise you might not know where it is. But basically, if you go down to the bottom of your ankle and that little bone that kind of pops out on your ankle and you do like three fingers above that bone, there is a squishy spot that is painful, more painful while you're pregnant. When you hit it, you'll know that's spleen six. And what we use is clary sage oil. You can use it with the carrier oil, like castor oil or olive oil or coconut oil. Uh, or you can put it directly on and then you push into that area. So I like to, when I'm trying to help a mom get things moving or augment labor, meaning labor's already begun and now we're trying to increase contractions or get them going again, uh, you put that clary sage oil and I do my thumbs on either leg while I'm pushing that pressure point. You can do this to yourself or have your birth partner do it. 10 seconds on, 10 seconds off. If you start having contractions, you hold that pressure point during the length of the contraction and then you let go and take a break in between. And then to increase those contractions, uh, instead of adding just more and more and more clary sage oil, have mom hold the bottle and and smell the bottle while you're doing those things. And then along with that, she can add nipple stimulation, whether that is with a, um, a, a birth pump, like a breast pump, or she can pull and twist, just like we talked about. Long walks are another one. Walking is really good for you anyways, but walking just irritates the uterus, right? And that's what we kind of want to do. We want to irritate it so it starts creating contractions. Uh, so definitely go for a walk. 10 to 20 minutes, feel free to go for up to 30. And then there's the little things, right? Things like positive affirmations, talking to your baby. Um, I talked about acupressure and those specific, the spleen six points. There's some other ones that you can use as well. Uh, a membrane sweep is something that you have to do with your provider. It does, it has the potential of introducing bacteria because you go through the cervix and you separate the bag of waters from the side of the uterus. So it needs to have, even though it's a gloved clean finger, um, again, you can push good bacteria into a place maybe it doesn't belong. Um, there is a risk of, of not only infection, but of possibly rupturing the membrane. So keep, and you know, just keep that in your mind 
as you're thinking about that. It can also be uncomfortable and then it can create contractions that don't lead to anything or it can cause mom to go into labor. Um, you know, if there is an infection, it can create like kind of like flu-like symptoms and you don't feel good and then you've got to go in and if your body wasn't ready to go into labor, then you have to start labor. You have to induce to make sure that mom and baby um, don't get an infection that's going to harm anybody. So keep that in mind. And then there's some tinctures. So that Dr. Christopher's labor prep is something that you can start taking at 34 to 36 weeks. Gentle birth, you start taking 34 to 36 weeks. I'll put links for both of those. Uh, seeing a chiropractor, so Webster's technique, um, but overall just feeling good. But Webster's technique is excellent because what it does is creates, it makes sure that there's balance in the pelvis and that baby has enough room to get through that area. Sometimes a pelvis will be tilted one way or the other or oblong and um, not enough space for baby. And this is just such, such a great like release of ligaments and stuff that can help mom and baby work well together to get baby into a good position and to get things moving. You'll also hear this one for babies that are breached. Like make sure you see a provider that certified in the, in the Webster's technique and that's why. And then there's acupuncture, prenatal massage with acupressure points all that kind of stuff. Okay, so here's the circuit. Now remember, you can use this with the midwife's brew or apart from it if you're trying to get things going. And um, with this circuit, so this is separate from the mile circuit. You can also add in the mile circuit. There's tons that you can do, but this is an effective circuit that if your body is ready to get things moving, it can help push it into that next stage. And it would be great to use with something like your uh, cervical ripener, whether that's the evening primrose oil or um, the red raspberry leaf tea, which is to help stimulate contractions or the midwives brew. You wouldn't use all of that together. So these are just some separate things that you can add with this circuit. But here it is. Okay. So number one, you start with intercourse and there's no time on that. It's just however long. Uh, and then you go on to the nipple stimulation and you want to do that for five to 10 minutes right after intercourse. Then you head out for a 20 to 30 minute walk and include some curb walking in there or stairs, something that helps kind of rock that uterus back and forth. Come back and do another five to 10 minutes of nipple stimulation. Take a bath or a nap and then have a snack with protein, carbs, fat. So bath or nap shouldn't be too long, like 20 to 30 minute bath or nap. You're going to repeat three times. But don't worry, you don't have to do the intercourse part for all the times. So that's just for the first one. Uh, and then you can keep going with the nipple stimulation, walking, nipple stimulation, bath, nipple stimulation, walking, nipple stimulation, bath, or nap. And then at the end of that third time, I want you to relax. So whether that's sleeping or um, laying down and watching TV, like something when you're that you can lay down, relax. Maybe your, your husband or birth partner can rub your feet. You can really just kind of like focus on yourself and then see what happens. Relaxation is just as important as all that other stuff in the cycle of trying to get birth going. Your body does not need to be going, going, going all the time. Even during labor, in between contractions, it should be complete relaxation, right? We want baby and body to have that time to figure out what that next step is. So remember that that's an important part of it. Don't just keep going, going, going. Make sure that you take your rest. All right, like I said, short and sweet. You've got two things here. You've got that recipe for the midwife's brew. You've got this circuit that you can play along with. I talked about a couple things I probably haven't before on here, which is that like evening primrose oil and the black cohosh. Still not sure if I'm saying that right. 
Anyways, if you are close to that 36 week mark, you're looking to get things going. I hope this episode was for you. If you're not there yet, I hope you come back here when you are. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.